112 to 105, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Chicago Bulls. They go to 20 and 10. Bulls fall to 12 and 16. Philly Sports Talk here to give you the recap. And before we get into anything, Jerry, I just want to say that I predicted the score 111 to 104 before this game. So I was two points off. And I predicted it on Instagram. And the funny part is the person below me said MB would score for 50. And he did. Yeah. Joel, he eclipses career high, a uh, previous high of 49, gets his first 50 burger of his career. And it, it, I really don't, I, I can understand why someone would say that Jokic is MVP. But apart from that, I don't understand how you can have anyone over Embiid for MVP at this point. He just continues to prove that he's the best player in the league right now. I, I shouldn't say like the best player. In, he's been playing like the best player. In, he's been playing the best in the league right now. Not necessarily the best player, but he's the MVP. Um, and the only one you can make a statistical argument for being better than him is probably Jokic. And Jokic, you get into team record, some other stuff. Hey, he's just not better than Embiid. A lot of people say Embiid, he's missed six, seven games. Well, it's not a participation award. <laughs> and that's my response to that. I mean, when he's out there playing, he's playing really good, and the team is one in five when he's not playing. So it, it kind of sh- sh- builds onto his case even more that he's that valuable to his team, and that's literally the name of the award: most valuable player. They can't win without him. He, he's pretty valuable to him. Yeah, and in the coming years, I think they should make a rule with how many games you have to play in order to win MVP. Because I need to stop hearing these people say he has not played enough games. But Jerry, let's get that full stat line for MB: fifty points. 17 rebounds, five assists, two steals, four blocks, shot 17 to 26, 65% from the field, one and two from three, and 15 to 17 from the three foot line. Yeah, it's just insane. 17 to 26, that's that's great. Um, and only two turnovers, too, by the way, five assists to two turnovers. He has, I think, a negative assist to turnover ratio um, this season, which is another thing that people have against him one of the few areas where he's still struggling in. And I think the next step to his game where he becomes like literally a top five player in the league is he limits those turnovers and he gets a little bit better at passing and he's able to pass out of double teams more often. He didn't have any troubles there tonight. He also the 17 rebounds that ties a season high. So this is really one of his best games of the season. And he was eating barbecue chicken on Wendell Carter Jr. Barbecue chicken. You heard it from Jerry. Uh, but yeah, Embiid, just absolutely unstoppable. I would go say go to say that this is his best game this year. And it, it's just adding on to this MVP-like season. Really, he is the front runner. And uh, according to NBA.com, I believe they had LeBron in front of him. That makes no sense. They had LeBron at one, Embiid at two, and then Jokic at three, I believe. How is that possible? First of all, LeBron should... I don't, I don't even think LeBron should be top three. I think he should be top five. And... I think Embiid's the best, and you have Jokic at three. It's just – I don't even want to get into, much, get into it that much. It's just so confusing. Jared, let's talk about Tobias Harris. Thank God he stepped up. He just slow for his half for the most part. He ended with 22 points, 12 rebounds, and seven assists. That third quarter, he was just eating, and so was he in that fourth quarter. Attracts some double teams in the fourth quarter, and overall I'm very happy with what he did, especially with the absence of Ben Simmons. Yeah, that all-star campaign – looks better and better by the game uh nine to 16 from the floor continues to be efficient he's having a really good season 
and we talked about the All-Star game before, and it's going to be hard for him to get in, but he, he's definitely – I think this is probably the best year of his career to date. And Doc Rivers has shown to be able to utilize his talents. And that's another thing. Let's talk about Doc Rivers for a little bit because with this win, the Sixers – coaching staff will officially be coaching team Kevin Durant in the all-star game. So Doc Rivers will be an all-star coach because the Sixers have the best record in the conference. Um, And I believe he won coach of the month in December slash January. He has really turned this team around and you could see a huge difference between Brett Brown Sixers and Doc Rivers Sixers. Yeah, no doubt. He is just, He's the, he was the best option on the table for us, the best option for a lot of teams. We were able to get him. He really changed the whole culture. But that brings up one more thing that I want to say during this podcast. There is one thing that I do dislike about Doc Rivers, and it's if there's going to be one thing to dislike, this is the thing. Um, I really notice it. I've been saying it a lot in the past couple recent podcasts, but this is like the first time I really noticed. I think it's come from Doc. Uh, I think Doc Rivers has a – argues just a little too much. And I think it makes some of our players think that they can just do it the whole game. You know, you see guys like Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, Howard, they argue every single call, even if it's a foul. And Doc Rivers, he obviously had that technical foul of arguing a bad call. And, you know, if we lost this game by a couple points, that could have been a big foul committed to him. I mean, this, that's just the one thing I did not really liked about Doc Rivers. But if I eat something, that's the thing I'm going to be eat about it. Yeah, the one thing I don't like about Doc Rivers is he's not having this team shoot a lot of three pointers. There's a lot of mid range shots, and that's good too. It, I I don't expect this to keep up. The Sixers are like bottom three in the league in three point attempts per game, which I think I mentioned that stat in like the last three podcasts in a row. But it's it's really an area that I think like previously I used to talk about the turnovers a lot. Those are still a little bit of a problem, but. That's kind of personnel related. They don't really, the Sixers don't really have reliable ball handlers besides Ben Simmons. And even he turns the ball over a little bit sometimes. So, turnovers, not my main focus now for the Sixers to improve upon something is the three point shooting. And I don't really care. They shot 33% tonight, which is league average is 36%. So, that's not terrible, but not good. And they only took 21 three pointers. I just, I wish they would take a little bit more. Even if you're missing them, you might as well. You're better off missing a three-pointer than missing a mid-range shot um, because the numbers, the analytics just tell us that the three-point shot, the more you take it, the more efficient your offense will be in the long run. Yeah, and hopefully the Sixers start to take more three-pointers. Speaking of that three-point percentage, uh, the Bulls, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team. We're not transitioning to them fully yet. But I'm just like to mention that thank God they did not shoot the three very well. They shot seven to thirty-two, which went to twenty-one percent. They're a pretty good three-point shooting team. I'd just like to say that. So thank God they were a little off tonight. But let's talk about some other sixes. Obviously, Ben Simmons is out, and whenever he's out, we definitely need Embiid and Harris to step up, and that's what they did. Uh, Curry kind of had an off night. He only had nine points, shot two of eleven. You know, it's going to happen to those kinds of shooters. Danny Green, he was four from three, and I told you before we recorded. Danny Green has like a fast start to every game in the first quarter, and then he just slows down the rest of the game and just doesn't take many shots. But I'll give him this down the down the road. He did hit a very nice three in that fourth quarter that really gave us a commanding lead. I, mean, I shouldn't say commanding, but a nice lead. Yeah, and going back to NBA real quick, I forgot to talk about this, but 
how about that fourth quarter performance from him? I believe he had like 13 points in the fourth. Actually, that's probably wrong, but I know he had more than 10. <laughs> and, but especially in that like last two or three minutes, he really took over the game. First of all, that step back deep to oh my gosh. dagger. That was just a really, really, really cold shot. Unbelievable. But, but here's the thing that's not going to get a lot of attention that I want to point out. He backed, he blocked Zach Levine on, I think, back-to-back possessions, back-to-back offensive possessions for the Bulls. He blocked Levine twice in the final two minutes. And, like, the if the Bulls aren't going to – if you're blocking – and Levine getting to the rim was a pretty big problem for us in the fourth quarter. That was really the Bulls' main source of offense is just Levine doing something off the dribble. And Embiid, he's just such a great rim protector, got those two blocks, and it, it sealed the game for us. So not only is he – doing it throughout all three quarters getting 50 points and just having a dominant game he's closing him out too and beat is the mvp i, I don't even have to talk about it anymore he I, the more i think about it the more i want to say like this should be a unanimous mvp yeah it's it truly was amazing when he hit that step back too it was such a low percentage shot but you just kind of knew that it was going to go in just the way that he was playing and just the way uh, how clutch he's been you really just knew that was going to go in. Uh, but let's go into a different kind of story for the Sixers. And it has been the story for the last couple of games, 16 bench points again. That's that's not going to cut it. And it's kind of been the story for, the, like I said, the last couple of games. I mean, Maxi had six, Howard at eight, and Borkham with three. I mean, two. And then Scott and Joe were scoreless. Yeah, the bench has just been pretty terrible, especially with Shake Milton out. Hopefully he's back soon. I think this is five games now that he's missed. But I want to talk about Maxi for a little bit because he's kind of fallen off. I mean, we probably should have talked about this sooner because it's been a while now, like a few weeks, that he hasn't been getting a ton of – he actually did get a lot of playing time in this one, but he hasn't been getting a ton of playing time. And when he does, he hasn't been utilizing his minutes that much. Uh, Shot 3 of 11 for only six points, and – his float, like his floaters, are nice. He's exciting, and all that stuff. But it was a little bit concerning that he couldn't break a full court press and that inbound pass that Ryan Archidiakono, I think I got that name right, um, stole. And then the Sixers had to call a timeout. And then it was after that I think that Embiid came on, and then they kind of got things under control, and then just took over the rest of that fourth quarter. But if the problem with like um, our fourth quarters, I guess, these past few games, especially with the bench doing bad, is Doc Rivers likes to rest and be for the first like four minutes of the fourth usually. But when we're losing at the beginning of the fourth, he can't just play our bench because our bench is so bad. We're never going to hold on to that just four point deficit or even cut into it. So, but this time we actually had a little bit of a lead. So he was able to play the bench and the bench let the lead slip and the bulls I, I believe went up by two points on us before yep. Embiid and Tobias came back in. And then after that it was smooth sailing, but that just further proves that the bench has been a terrible issue and Maxi has not been playing extremely well and let's not get too harsh on him. The kid's like 19 years old, I think. And he's shown flashes that he can be a great player in the future, but this is not a guy that I want to see in the rotation come playoff time. Yeah, Maxi, he's had an interesting story to him. He's been playing like a below average player so far. Uh, but I like to say this one thing. 
I think Sixers fans got a little too ahead of themselves with how Maxi started the season. He, he played well in like three or four games. And just after that, it was almost like he's a superstar. He's untouchable. You know, when we were in trade talks, he was, people already saying he's untouchable. I was kind of one saying there's no way he's going to keep this up as especially on the bench. So I would like to point that out. Sixers fans don't get too ahead of yourselves yet with how bad he's playing. It's just, you know, not to his expectations so far. Yeah. I, I'm not extremely worried about it. Like I said, he's 19 years old. He's a rookie, especially rookie point guards play bad all the time. Um, You look at just one example, De'Aaron Fox was terrible in his rookie year. Now he's playing like an all-star. It's just really hard to make the transition from college to NBA as a guard. And that's probably the reason why he's struggling. And like I said, it's not something I'm really concerned about. I just don't want to see him play in the playoffs. I, I don't care about these regular season minutes where, he plays pretty bad, but he might cost us a game here or there. Um, I, I still want him to try and play through it and just get that experience up, but not a guy that I think should be in the rotation in the playoffs. Hopefully the Sixers will, A, get Shake Milton back, and B, find another backup guard that can run the offense when Ben Simmons isn't on the court. Yeah, he's just playing with a little rookie, like a little rookie right now. Hopefully he'll break out of it. Uh, so the Sixers found a way to win which is good. Let's talk about the Bulls for a little bit. Obviously, main story is Zach Levine, but Wendell Carter Jr., he had a fast start. He had the team's first eight points, and he finished, I believe, with 10 points in that first quarter, uh, all 10 points within the first six minutes. I thought he was going to have a big night, but then I realized he's going up against Joel Embiid, so how would he have such a big night? And I, he only ended up with 15 points. So let's talk about Zach Levine then. Uh, Levine, you just look at how many points he had, you're going to say, wow, Levine, oh my gosh, he deserves to be an all-star. He had 30 points. He shot 9 of 28 and 2 of 10 from 3. He got to the free throw line a lot. But I would like to say this about the guy. In that fourth quarter, he was still very, very aggressive, and he was attacking the rim. And he, he had his way a couple of times with Joel Embiid in the paint, which I, with him going in the paint and he scored, you know, we mentioned a couple of times with Embiid's blocks, but he had our number in that fourth quarter, I would say. Yeah, um, Levine, he did have a good fourth quarter, especially getting to the rim. And the outside shots weren't falling for him all night long. He's typically a pretty good three-point shooter, uh, just two of ten tonight. Um, and Matisse Leibel, let's give him credit, he did a good job on him. Now, imagine if Ben Simmons was playing and Ben Simmons was the one guarding him. I, I think it would have been an even rougher night for Levine. Uh, but, yeah, he did do a good job of getting to the line. And 30 points, you can't get – like, you can't say that he played terrible if he scored 30 points. But 9 of 28 from the field, 2 of 10 from three-pointer, he was definitely – uh, Matisse definitely did a good job on him. And uh, one thing I want to talk about Levine just really quickly, a lot of people are saying this guy's an all-star and his scoring numbers kind of back it up. It's, it's true. He's having a good season and he's been a little bit better on defense this year than he was last year. And in the past, he's been known as one of the worst defenders in the NBA, but here's the problem with him. And you think of all those things and you're like, this guy's got to be an all-star. But one thing that he does a lot worse than other guards is, he he turns the ball over a lot, and he's not a good playmaker at all. Um, he rare he had five assists tonight, and that's kind of a lot for his standards. Four turnovers, which is normal for his standards. So, if you're one of the people that says Levine should definitely be in the All Star game, and I wouldn't disagree with you, I think he could slip in there in one of those last couple of spots. But it, you got to consider the entire uh, aspects of his game, not just the scoring. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Uh, I am a guy that's saying I think Levine deserves to slip in in that last final two spots. I'm not saying he's guaranteed by any means because it's not yet. What you said, a lot of people are only one-dimensional with talking about Zach Levine. They they don't think about those things that you just said. Um, But I bet you we just gave some knowledge to some other basketball fans out there with Zach Levine. Uh, But with other Bulls players, I want to talk about Thaddeus Young. He's nearly averaging a triple-double. I I shouldn't say nearly. He's pretty far from it, actually. But (laughs) off the bench, he's averaging 11.5, six rebounds, and four assists. This guy is very valuable, and he's going to be a very valuable trade target if they decide to trade for him. And uh, he could be really valuable to any team he goes to if he were to get traded. Yeah, I think he probably will. An expiring contract and a guy that you look at and he could definitely help out a contender. I just miss the days when Thaddeus Young was on the Sixers back in the earliest stages of the process when I had nothing to worry about. Um, it was just, I think I was in fourth grade at the time. I would just come home from school, watch the Sixers, see Thaddeus Young, Jason Richardson, Spencer Hall's out there, Evan Turner, um, Drew Holiday, all those guys. Uh, he just gives me, it just gives me some nostalgia seeing him out there on the basketball court. <laughs> Yeah, those those seasons were good in some ways, really bad in other ways, but let's continue. Uh, Archie Diacno, you said he had a couple of good plays. He did. He had a nice fourth quarter. He ended with uh, 10 points, I believe. Yeah, 10 points. But overall, the 76ers went 112-105. Bucks and Celtics both won tonight, too, so they have uh, three games over the Bucks and four and a half over the Celtics. With this one, they go to a game and a half over Brooklyn now. And they have a two-game series coming up against Toronto. They play them Sunday and Tuesday. Raptors are 14 and 15. So hopefully the Sixers can salvage that series with the two-game sweep. Yeah, the Raptors are actually surging lately. They're playing pretty good despite a slow start to the season. So these are going to be a couple of tough games for Raptors. Hopefully the Sixers can get a pair of wins and improve to 22 and 10. Uh, That would look really good for me. And I think at 22 and 10, you're on pace for – seven game pace or 57 win pace in an 82 game season um so i think the sixers are doing pretty good definitely exceeding standards and outperforming preseason expectations yep jerry that's a jerry he passed all of his classes in math four years in high school (laughs) take his word that's gonna close it out thanks for tuning in thank you sixers win